The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Hello and welcome to the Astrolab, the only podcast that everyone seems to want to ban, only because we make good mana and we draw a lot of cards. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Dyer, and with me as always, he's very smart, he's very handsome, and maybe he's very thin, I'm not really sure, it's Scott Campbell. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Um, I'm doing alright. Uh, did some yard work this evening, so a little tired. Um, maybe the more I do yard work, I'll wind up getting thin but i kind of <laughs> feel like i'm triple sleeved right now oh boy um well staying at home really going anywhere and having access to snacks it's, right it's, it's, it's not not a good mix um <laughs> speak, speaking of mix look at this segue um thanks for everybody who's and we'll get more of this later but who's commented listened and stuff i'm still trying to figure all this out on my end hopefully my audio is a little bit better this week like that that mix all right yeah real bad anyway um get better with segues too um, <laughs> but yeah um I, i'm doing okay i've not really done a lot of magic i've just done my dailies on arena um i've looked longingly at cards on various websites i want to buy you but i'm a homeowner now Damn, I yeah that money uh seeing cards go up like uh counterbalance is starting to go up in price because people are like Campcaster mage ah! and like playing like actual creatureless azurious control miracles with counterbalance and the only creature they play is that green white companion in the board or whatever and i'm like oh. yeah kahira yeah that's like uh, i maybe i should make like an akira type mean go kahira <laughs> i don't know just i'm yeah it's just missing out on stuff like that but I, i'm okay i'm 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 better than i have been the last couple weeks oh so there's good. that uh and and my article's up this week on legit mtg so That's please good. go check that out uh i know you are putting out a ton of articles on mtg goldfish yeah uh so last week uh in the week since we talked last uh i have not played any magic at all <laughs> so Dog. yeah i know right uh so sony decided to be like hey by the way uh before like the beginning of the month or whatever they were like we're gonna put out uh some free games for you guys to play at home and enjoy these free games on us and uh one of the the sets of games was um the uncharted collection uh the nathan drake collection uh, for okay. the PS4, and that's basically like three games. It's like one game, but technically, like you know, you download one thing and you open one application, but it's three different games because it's Uncharted one through three. So I basically spent most of last week playing all the way through from Uncharted one to through Uncharted three. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, and we already, we already own um, Uncharted four, uh, and so we we played that. 
I've played that before. I played the other three actually because this doesn't really utterly matter. Like what ver- what order you go in with those games. Uh, there's like a loose narrative, but like and you can there's timeline stuff. But for the most part, like you could probably play most of them out of order just because. Um, so it's a cool. They're a cool game. Uh, the it's kind of like kind of like an action movie, kind of like watching an action movie. Oh, neat. And you kind of like playing through like an action movie, uh, and there's, it's got a lot of Tomb Raider esque elements of it too. Uh, you okay. know, you're you're in these like, you know, puzzles, and you have to kind of jump around and climb and shoot bad guys. And there's but there's also these sequences where there's like, you know, stuffs breaking behind you, and you have to run and jump and and escape from this bridge that's crumbling behind you and oh big car chases and i mean they're they've all they're all like that they're it's it's insane like how crazy uh some of how big some of the uh sequences get especially in like when you go from the first one being like was released like on the ps3 i think i want to say it was like it was ps3 uh so that one all three of those and then of course you get to the fourth one uh, which was which is arguably like the largest of the games. Like it's the much, it's much grander in scale. And there is literally like a whole section where like, you're just trying to like survive a building falling apart mm-hmm. and you're just like jumping and running from piece to piece and just trying to make sure you don't die. Uh, oh. And it's really difficult. <laughs> it sounds like it. I mean, I, I gave up on console games when S2 came out and final fantasy, it over to ps2 i'm like nope i'm done um, <laughs> so i've these people talk about these console games and i'm, I'm just like deer in the headlights i'm like i i kind of understand what you're saying um but yeah no that that's cool because one of the things that i find problematic with just video games in general nowadays is there seems to be a lot of repetition and that hurts replay value so with a game like what you described it kind of breaks that monotony where you do some things. Maybe you're in a lot of action stuff and you can yeah. get bored. Well, now you got a puzzle to solve. So now you got to think differently and, and stuff like that kind of keeps you uh, engrossed in the game, keep you immersed. It's it's uh, kind of like watching a movie almost. Yeah. It really is. Like it's, it's getting, awesome. and, that, and that's what's great about it is it's that it's got great replay value just from the story aspect of it. Uh, and the characters are also really, really well, well done. Like it's got Nolan North in it, who is like video game, you know, voice acting fame. Uh, it's got um, Emily Rose. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw. A lot of people don't know who she is offhand, but uh, I don't know if you ever saw the show Haven at all on Sci-Fi. Sounds Sci-Fi. I've seen a few Stephen King based series like it was based on one of his like short stories uh so she played uh the character the main character of that show i can't audrey aubrey something i don't audrey i think i want to say it was something like that uh but she played that main character it's been a while since i've seen the show uh but she was really good in that but she also plays and she's also in the show this uh game series uh this uncharted series and there's four there's four games based on the the main character uh, of Nathan Drake and their his narrative and then there's an additional game they made after that 
that is based on a couple characters that were part of that, but not like main characters. Uh, so it's kind of like a side story kind of thing. Well, I'm but, glad you're you're finding time to do stuff like video games and finding other things that you like. Yeah. Uh, earlier today, I was listening to the the CMDR podcast. Nice. Uh, and it's episode 200. So they had like a little uh, mailbag type of show. And one of the things they talked about was magic burnout. Yeah. I mean, heck, we spent our last two episodes kind of, well, especially me, a little down the doms, curmudgeoning about, you know, opinions, hiss, and all this other stuff, right? And that's kind of, you got to talk about the bad and the good at the same time, but sometimes too much of that bad can kind of bring people down, lead to burnout, yeah, be interested. Sure. So, you know, it's nice to be able to take that break and, find something you like and you're like oh wow this is great and you just get into it like you talked about uh clone wars last week you yeah. know and that's something that you know you were intently or even intensely watching and enjoying yeah and it, especially now because all these things are, are are gone i mean to our listeners who may not know oh and i pretty much live in the same geographic area so recently on the news seeing a lot of summer events that people generally go to like fireworks and yep. um, the phrase pavilion has canceled all their concerts and things like that um we're seeing all that go away yeah it's, it's reasonable to do that you know the whole uh needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few type thing um we got to find ways to spend our time doing thing doing other things finding other things to do yeah going for a walk doing yard work um <laughs> uh, <laughs> lots or, of yard uh, work yeah lot, lots and lots of yard work well, and now most of it's done that you know i can generally keep up on it and not like wear myself out um or playing all these games I mean, yeah. i kind of wish i had a console game cuz one of my friends have console games and i can connect this magical thing called the internet yeah uh, and be able to play games with them like get my butt kicked on mortal Kombat or some co-op game or something but no right. i i went the pc route and <laughs> i am i i like having a ps4 it's it's been a lot of fun to have one uh, we bought it originally for fallout 4 uh and because Quite frankly, none, neither of us, my wife and I, neither of us had a PC that was really going to be capable of running Fallout 4 at the time. And uh, it just made sense for us to have it. So, plus, we wanted it on our TV and it looks great on our TV. So, there, there <laughs> that's, that's the important thing. Yes, you got you ha- it, has to look good to enjoy it. But, yeah, there are games that work better on console than on PC. Like, I've seen PC games like Neverwinter Nights. Uh, be available on consoles like PS4 and Xbox, things like I've that. Noticed, I've heard that. I don't. I yeah. haven't picked that up yet on that. But I heard it. Wouldn't do it on console if you're going to play a game like that. Play it on yeah. PC. I've yeah, so I mean, I already problems. have it on PC, but yeah, it's. Yeah. But um, uh, then like I've been, so yeah, like like you were saying about you know things closing. Uh, one of my uh just just this week, uh the convention that i'm go- was going to be going to in july uh in columbus uh h- had to cancel oh is that TrotCon? Uh, yeah TrotCon decided oh, to, to, to push back all of their vip guests uh basically uh said that they weren't going to be able to make it okay uh and so all of the 
I, I kind of knew a little bit beforehand because I was supposed to be a community guest this year and they wanted to like make sure that I would still be able to come next year. Like if they were like, Hey, you know, we're going to be doing this. Uh, we're going to announce it. Do you want us? Are you still up for coming next year? I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Like you guys are kind of like my home convention. Uh, and I've been going, this would be my, this would have been my fourth year going to their convention. And it's, they're kind of like my, my friend and family. Now their their con staff is, you know, very, very good to me. Uh, their con head and their PR guy, uh, Kevin, uh, shout out to Kevin. He'll never hear this, but shout out to him anyways. You never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. He, he's a great guy. He really, really, really takes care of me. And, uh, I really appreciate him very much. And, and the con staff, this, this staff are just amazing. So it was a good, it was a good decision. They needed to make a decision. Uh, and it was, it was the best decision to make given that everybody was like, yeah, we're not coming. <laughs> So, you know, when you have your your A list voice actors, and this year was an A list voice actor year, uh, you know, they were gonna have to do something, obviously. So, and that's uh, the thing. Like a lot of people are upset, like about Freddy's Pavilion, which I understand. Once their schedule comes out, tickets are on sale. Yeah, you're buying those tickets in advance for a concert or whatever. You want to get good seats, but if bands themselves are canceling their tours, like they're not playing anywhere else, yeah. There's no one to fill those spots yeah. with how, again, for those who don't know, like Phrase Pavilion usually caters to older classic rock. Maybe uh, they've been doing some more classic alternative stuff in the last few years. Yes. They're not like the, the high energy concerts and those in their Except the Weird 30s Al. go to. Except Weird Al. But Except maybe, Weird Al. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and they'll do Can't confirm. Have, like, have seen Weird Al at kind of concert at the phrase. I, I have two. Well, actually, I can't remember if I saw him there. No, I saw him at Riverbend. But anyway, yeah. Um, still, like, you know, they, they uh, skew older. And if there are no bands touring or not enough support from any of that type that would fit not only their style, but their budget, they have no choice but to close. Yeah. And it sucks. Because yeah. a lot of that is funded through uh, uh, tax dollars. So people are, of course, upset about that. But, you know, it's yeah. one year. It's, yeah. it's, it's one year. Like, yeah. we're going to blink, and next thing you know, it'll be Christmas. Yeah. Um, now, it does sound like uh, a lot of the stuff uh, we were, we've been, we're going to be going uh, out of town uh, in next month. Uh, we have a vacation scheduled uh, to Gatlinburg, and it sounds like a lot of the Pigeon Forge area stuff because they can control, uh, and a lot of the like the Gatlinburg area stuff is is opening back up. Uh, so the only the only big thing that we were really was really on our list that was up in the air was Dollywood, uh, and they there's a, still an inkling that they might open by June first. With you know some you know restrictions, obviously. Well, uh, let's hope that our magic store is open by June first, and we could play some sweet formats. Like, oh wait a minute, what would be a good format to play? Um, not standard. Um, not not legacy. Limited. Um, Limited, Scott. Oh, limited, no. limited, limited is the best format, right? Didn't you know that? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not even too unlimited. 
Um, <laughs> um, gotta get your, you gotta get it through alpha beta first. Right. Um, um, so, uh, but before we get started into our, our discussion about, uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, I do have some housekeeping stuff to, to talk about. Yes. So, uh, this is episode three. If you guys are, if you're still listening, you're still with us. Cool. Thank you very much. Uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yes, yes, Revenge of the Sith, or, or the yeah. Last Stand. Um, no, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> All right. No, no, we're 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 gonna stick with that. Okay. So I just want I want to thank everybody for uh, just continuing to listen. If you are listening, uh, please reach out and give us some feedback. Uh, it would be really helpful. I am gonna try and stop saying "uh" a lot more. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. So we're going to try and not do that so much. I've listened to the last two episodes and I've been like, yeah, I say a lot. Cool. Cool. They sound really bad. Cool. Drive through when I go to order. I'm like, hey, uh, I get it from my dad. Well, it's it's one of those things you do when you're trying to think of what you want to say. And Mm -hmm. it's just one of those. If you don't know what you're going to say, it's that's just a natural inclination. There's a lot of ways you can. Uh, I've been reading a lot of ways you can try and cut it off and trying to be a little bit more better about that. So, uh, and of course, we're just going to try and keep up on the audio stuff and see if we can keep improving the audio quality. I, I haven't heard any complaints uh, right. other than what yeah. we've talked about, uh, you know, so I so far so good. So it's more self critique, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's fair. Like, you're always going to do that. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, if you guys, uh, really, um, just thank you. Also, I want to thank, uh, John Medina again. He's, he's really helped us out, given us a place to use for recording uh, with his discord server, uh, which is technically is also the host of the bizarre MTG podcast. Uh, so you should probably go check out the bizarre MTG podcast at some point. Of course Uh, they should. Pretty cool. Uh, he said some pretty good art, uh, people on there. Uh, so he had a really good episode with, um, Zan Syed of, uh, team Lotus box. Uh, and that was a really good episode. Uh, it was pretty cool having met Zan before. Uh, it was really nice to kind of hear his perspective on how he started and how he got into, uh, competitive magic and that sort of thing. So it was kind of, kind of fun. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Also, um, now I'm going to blank. There was some other, somebody else I was going to ask. Oh, oh yes. Uh, I would like to also thank uh, the, the folks over at Magic Mike's. Uh, you guys gave us a nice little shout out on your episode uh, last week, two weeks ago, something like that. Last week, it, I want to say. It was, it was last week, yeah. Yeah, last week, yeah. I did think yeah, about yeah. that for a minute, too, because... Yeah. And time, time, yeah. time, yeah. yeah. But yeah, really big thanks to all those guys, uh, to, um, you know... Evan and Ruben and uh, Aaron for all the, you know, shout outs and stuff. It was really nice of you guys to do that for us. And I, yeah. I was so, I was so touched. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, we're not like on topic and we are talking about other things, but and I've been writing for about six years. I uh, started out writing at the game. He their store will, about later as we talk about uh our stores a lot um i did because like oh i can do this start writing on their website whatever and i just kept going with it then when sphinx's revelation left standard had cons of tarkir and gross blocks things just didn't feel interesting things felt too focused on the competitive side 
I kind of felt lost way in, in the game. And I started watching podcasts or, or, or videos really on YouTube with Wedge and the professor. This uh, a little blurb came up about the magic show. And I remember watching that a long time ago, uh, back uh, when I played standard and uh, like, um, Shards of Alar block was out and All Blade was a deck and around those times. And there's a show called Magic Mike's. I watched it and I'm like, the show is amazing. It's yeah. the best show ever. I just, I couldn't believe it. And as I've grown, watched the show, uh, and, and we've been in events where uh, like Aaron and Ruben have been. Right. So we'd go meet them and get like magnets or stickers or whatever. And they are so welcoming of interaction with their show, with, with the fans from whether you're a patron or whether you're just there on the live show or whether you watch the video on demand and comment later. Right. Uh, and I've, I've watched each of them grow individually through this show. It's kind of like a little family and, oh, yeah. um, these content creators have inspired me to keep going and do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they did, I didn't know they were going to do it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And, and they did the shout out last week. Um, cried. <laughs> I, I, I cried. Um, as, as Aaron likes to say, work. Yes. Um, so uh, I thank you. Just doesn't feel like enough. And yeah. it, it's taken me a long time. And I still don't leave myself to be a content creator. Tech, even now I'm doing this podcast. Um, <laughs> so. I feel you. Having friends, having actual friends, people who want to be friendly to you, give a word of encouragement. Yeah, just it's awesome. So again, all that stuff aside, let's talk about some magic. Yeah, we we have. um, So Wizards of the Coast announced a banned and restricted announcement of an announcement. (laughs) It's an announcement of an announcement of an announcement. That's how we announce things now. We have to have oh an announcement God. for the announcement, and then we have to announce the announcement. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so they basically, they said, hey, uh, in, on 5.18, we are going to have a ban and restricted uh, update, and that ban and restricted update is going to apply to the, le- the formats of Legacy, Vintage, and Brawl. Hey, now, they're going to ban something in mod? Or- oh, <laughs> wait a minute. I, I actually, I have to say, I like the fact that they are now going to just tell you what formats are going to get touched. Uh, that is really, really good because the very first ban and restricted list update that we got that was like this, that yeah, under this new dichotomy of we're just going to announce a ban and restricted uh, update a week out in, in advance, and then the following week will be the actual update. They didn't say what formats they were going to do it for. Uh, that was the ban and restricted update that banned Underworld Breach and Legacy. As right. one of the cards that got banned, uh, there I think it was there was something else in that, but um, I I don't know. It was I can't remember. There were multiple formats touched in that. Should we look it up? Yeah, I might as well. <laughs> uh, what date was that? Uh, that was in January. Uh, or no, that was March. Sorry, that was March. No, that was right. That was when they banned Once Upon a Time in Modern. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So they banned Golos, 
They banned Once Upon a Time in Modern. They banned Le- Underworld Breach and Legacy. And then they did some stuff to Historic where they banned like Oko and Once Upon a Time in Fail of Summer and they made Field of the Dead legal again in Historic. Historic? Historic, they, they misspelled Legacy with that. <laughs> so, again, so my, my, what I'm going, going for here is that they, they, they did not tell anybody up front in the original announcement of this ban and restricted announcement, what formats were going to get touched. The hot topic at the time was pioneer. Everybody was talking about cards like inverter of truth and, you know, underworld breach and Lotus veil and, or uh, Lotus field. Yeah. Lotus field and, and Hilliard and, and uh, walking ballista. And people are all talking about these, these cards and these formats and they come out with this ban and restricted announcement. And they're like, by the way, nothing for pioneer. And then they have this big long diatribe at the end talking about how you know the the win rates of inverter and the we're okay with you know these cards, you know, it seems like they're fine, blah blah blah. But everybody was complaining about them at the time. Uh now I don't I don't know if I hear anybody complain, I'm sure they, they are, but the the problem was yeah, this is the really big issue. And of course, Wizards can never acknowledge this because it's secondary market-related stuff. Right. Was that they threw everything. That entire week was pure chaos from a MTG finance perspective. Uh, just because nobody knew it was going to happen. It was just literal chaos because they were but nobody we know what formats were gonna get touched. Everybody had kind of an idea. Everybody had speculation. It was like, oh, this is pioneer related. We just had that pioneer players tours. And you know, inverter looked really bad on camera, like blah 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 blah. This is all gonna be pioneer related. And of course, you know, some of us were like, Yeah, they're probably gonna ban breach and legacy, and everybody's like, nah, it's too soon, too soon, too soon. And sure enough, they banned breach and legacy, but they didn't even touch pioneer. <laughs> right. So I think it's a really smart idea. For them to say up front what formats they're going to touch, I think that's really Absolutely. smart. Yeah, because what two weeks after that um, announcement back in March, well, shutdowns happen. So whole um, whole MTG finance thing, so that still was kind of in limbo because your uh, warehouses for. Uh, Companies like Channel Fireball, SCG, things like that, if not shut down, like a skeleton crew, yeah. it's hard to get cards shipped out. So there are problems with that that had that impact. Yeah, so it's just, it, it is nice to, even though there is, starting with bad news, uh, here with the ban restricted announcement, kind of, so at least we know what is focused, and I can't wait until they ban, oh, wait, no, we're, Nothing's happening in modern. <laughs> yeah, again, nothing's Looking happening. At it. Now they did post a follow up and said that the formats that they mentioned are the formats that were under their consideration for the window of time that they talked about. Uh, now it's possible that standard modern pioneer they wanted to give more time because they're a little bit more fluid formats. Who knows? Allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that. Uh, so let's talk about the, the format that obviously is going to be impact everybody the least, uh, and that's going to be oh. Brawl. Yeah. Uh, a, nobody plays Brawl because it's been on Wednesdays. I thought uh, you said impacted the most. No, the least. <laughs> the, the, the least. Much much the least. Now, I, I have not played much Brawl myself. I, I never really have uh, had, had an inkling to ever fire up the format, uh, ever. Uh, and mostly because I, I dislike 1v1 Commander, so I don't really want to play 1v1 Brawl. 
And so that just doesn't really interest me that much. So, but uh, there's been some chatter about the the format, that format. And really the biggest thing that's probably going to change in that format is going to be that they're going to ban Dranus Magistrate, which is the uh, hate bear that shuts off your opponents from oh. casting spells from anywhere but their hand. So, oh my God. yeah. So it makes, it makes perfect sense from a, a format standpoint. It's a format based around a commander like commander is. And it's, it's a, a legitimate card that, and especially it's going to show up a lot more in brawl because the decks are 60 cards or 59 cards, uh, plus your commander. So you want your people to be able to cast their, their stuff and whatnot. So it just, it makes it. it I heard about, it, I was like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Like nothing to worry about there. So, I mean, there's so much good removal in brawl. Oh wait, no, there's not. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. I'm not really worried about that. So let's talk about legacy. Uh, yeah. the vintage is going to be the big one to talk about, but legacy. So legacy is of late has been kind of infested with, uh, Luris of the dream den. Uh, Luris of the dream den is quite obviously one of the best cards in the format at this point. Uh, and of course one would think that it, you know, Luris would be broken with cards like fast mana. You know, there's cards, you know, like lion's eye diamond is legal as a four of in the format, you know, Lotus petal. Those are all cards that are really, really strong cards, but, and you, and of course, you know, Luris is really good with led and is really good with Lotus petal, uh, because you can rebuy your led in a storm chain and, and cast your Luris and get an extra storm out of it. But storm really eats, a lot of dirt to Delver of Secrets decks. And so the best place to play Delurus is Delver, uh, quite frankly, because it's basically allowed Delver to become the sort of half tempo, half mid range deck uh, that can actually just grind out control, uh, which is really absurd because they're getting to play cards like Mishra's Bobble uh, and, of course, like Urza's Bobble, too, if you can't afford like a fourth Mishra's Bobble. <laughs> on magic online because they're like fifty dollars <laughs> so many screenshots of people having to have purchased that fourth mistress bobble because they were only playing three for some reason in modern <laughs> that if I were building a modern deck that card would be a four of not not because of loris but it just it's one of those cards that you play four or zero Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, the, that, and that's because in modern, because that's the only one you have available. And of course, in Legacy Advantage, you can be like, I can save $50 by playing three of this one and one of Urza's Bobble, which is only like $10. <laughs> Something like that. Like, it, it, those went up a little bit too. And of course, like, if you really want to be skimpy, you can play Lodestone Bobble. <laughs> And goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's also a thing that you can do. But so the, the biggest thing has been Luris has been a big part of the format since then. However, the other issue that we have going on is that, you know, there's still all these other cards from 2019 to 2020 that everybody's like, man, I don't really want this in the format anymore. There's stuff like Arkham's Astrolabe, uh, Oko Thief of Crowns. Uh, you know, uh, Veil of Summer is another card that everybody likes to complain about because, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of an egregious card a little bit. And uh, so, you know, people are still complaining about those cards. And of course, you know, so people and also people are still complaining about cards like Uro and, you know, these big snow control decks that were kind of taking over the format until Ikoria came out. 
and shifted the power balance entirely into Luris being the best card. Uh, so if the the prediction that uh, that I would like to make is that Luris is probably going to be the card that goes. Uh, this is probably going to be the simplest thing that's going to happen is that they're just going to ban Luris. Now, the problem with that is that there are a couple other companions in the format uh, that are seeing play. Uh, and the oh. chief one of those is uh, Zerda, uh, the Dawn Waker, which is the Boros command- companion uh, that reduces activated abilities by two and can't reduce anything by one to one, less than one. Hmm. Uh, that card is really, really strong. Superman, uh, right? Yeah, well, so the version that I think is kind of probably went out in the end uh, is there is a Bant Snow Control version that basically just slots in four Grim Monolith and Zerda as your companion, and the only creatures you're playing are Walking Ballista. But then it's just a pile of, you know, cantrips and stuff, and then you have Karn, four Karn, and you have Oko, and you have Teferi, uh, the the Time Raveler, Teferi. Boros, a Boros card and yeah. Oh, that's hybrid. Whatever. You what know. is magic? <laughs> what is magic? Yeah. So colors it, don't matter. It, it's in an Arkham's Astrolabe deck. You know, it's a snow deck. It get but because uh, Zerda only wants you to have permanents that have activated abilities. You can still play things like Brainstorm. You can still play things like Force of Will, Force of Negation. You can still play Fail of Summer. Uh, so it, you get this like weird control shell that's like i can play this like really fair game and draw cards and cantrip and stuff and then out of nowhere i can just kill you uh with this walking ballista and this basalt monolith or this grim monolith and this zerda because i just i've ground you out of the game with my counter magic and also these bombs that you have to counter too like these this oko and this you know this karn this teferi Teferi also makes it really hard for them to interact with the whole, you know, Zerda combo anyways. So like, it's just a really, it, it, if they don't ban, if they don't ban Zerda at the same time, that deck. And of course there's a mono white Bomberman type list. And then there's also a mono red type bottom Bomberman list, which is literally the same, practically the same setup as the mono white list, except instead of playing like swords of plushers and stuff out of the sideboard, you're playing like pyroblast and red elemental blast and a braid. Yeah. Like it's really basically the same deck, and instead of playing mountain, they have planes. You're playing mountains, and instead of playing ancient den, you're playing great furnace. <laughs> Otherwise, the deck is practically the same, as far as the shell is concerned. Then uh, there's so, the uh, Garuda decks, right? So uh, the Garuda deck is actually the one that I feel like is the safest one that is playable, and I feel like it's the one that's going to stick around and not ever get banned. Uh, and my my thoughts on that deck are basically because. That deck is so roller coastery. Uh, you really uh, spin the wheel like almost every time you play that card, mm-hmm. uh, because <laughs> it's sometimes you're just like, "Oh, cool, I lost because I I whiffed and do something." Uh, I played a game today where I literally whiffed after like the fourth or fifth mill, and my opponent was on Reanimator, and they reanimated my one of my Garudas in my yard and went off. Oh no! And I died turn one to my home cards. Oh so, wow! And this happened both games. And like turn one, both games, and it by happened both games. So it'll uh, be interesting to see if they only ban some companions. But 
think they're going to ban the whole mechanic. Just I, say, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think that's what's going to happen, personally. All right. All right. Uh, Just, my... I don't know. I'm not a big fan of having like a cycle of cards. Like, Green Sun Zenith not being available in Modern, for example. Granted, the other Zeniths aren't seeing any play. Well, the other Zeniths are nearly as strong. Well, true, but m- making two two cats at instant speed versus like a bunch of one one dudes or whatever. Yeah. Um, or like saying, Black like, Sun Zenith. Like, you know. Green Sun Zenith is easily the strongest of yeah, the, tu- the tutors are Tutors are pretty stupid um, yeah. in all formats. Yeah. Um, especially as their prices are going up because th- hashtag thanks, Commander. I, I play, um, I've played enough Green Sun Zenith in my time to know that, that card's yeah. absolutely absurd. <laughs> it's pretty bonkers. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, with this mechanic, like if they only leave you the quote, not so good uh companions and the whole point of wizards putting out these cards and pushing the innovation button is to get everybody not just standard players not commander players not kitchen table players everybody to buy packs is to push all these cards so if all formats change you're gonna leave us companions that just that good don't need they're not that expensive so uh in- investors don't buy them I I don't know. I just there there are a lot of question marks here. But in yeah. for the next, it's it's this coming Monday. Yeah, uh, yeah. Time we're on this podcast. Yep, so yep. we'll just have to wait a few days, see what happens. Uh, me personally, I hope they just the whole deep mechanic of Legacy and Vintage, uh, and hopefully Modern, just be like, hey guys, yeah, really messed up, are bad. We're gonna we're gonna do a reset. Bring all these back, and and while you're at it, like out Arkham's Astrolabe and <laughs> Crowns and Veil Summer from Legacy, and we're good, right? Yeah. We're good. I don't think that's going to happen. You can go play Four Color Loam without having to buy Tropical Island. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Unfortunately, uh, the, the timing of either. this, the timing of this, the reactionary net nature of it uh, suggests to me that there's just going to be a ban. Right, uh, and it's, no. it's those mistakes keep backing up. So the things that were a problem that aren't addressed, like Astrolabe and Oko, mm. buried and forgotten. Yeah, because they basically, basically became unplayable. Well, at least Oko kind of did. Well, uh, not necessarily unplayable. It, it's just more that the recent problem is getting the most attention. It's like, hey, you didn't address this thing back here. Yeah, if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna address something now. Let let's bring everything to the table on just what's got a stick up people's butt right now. I mean, when Breach got banned, like everybody, there were people that were still talking about Arkham's Astrolabe and Oko and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And, that, and, that and and so that, what that what what that really is is that's a there's a huge disconnect, and this is this is something to talk about when we talk about vintage as well. There's a huge uh-huh. disconnect between the people that are playing these cards on Magic Online versus the people that would play it on paper magic obviously in a paper meta game you know things are going to be a lot different people are going to play what they have access to because right. buying cards is you know especially legacy and vintage cards is a little hard uh so you're not going to be you know dropping you know a couple hundred you know bucks you know on you know another dual land you know for your you know bant snow deck or whatever that's going to play astrolabe and you're going to play oko you have to buy those you have to buy 
euros, which is freaking fifty dollars. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you know, in paper, you're not going to be doing that, but online, everything's a lot more fluid, and that makes things a little bit more interesting. So, at the time that breach was banned, everybody's like, "Oh man, this is like really super fast that this is getting banned," and they're like, "It really needs more time." And and all the people that play Moto are like, "No, it really doesn't." Uh, and I think it, it it is worth noting that it it's not you shouldn't invalidate the moto data at all because they there are a lot more games that get played on moto and so the data that they have access to from moto games is insane like they have so much data i wish they would show more of it uh but that's just me being a data guy i really like data uh so i i very much into like tracking that kind of stuff so i'd like to more more data from Watsy. It was fine, but I was more of a Troy fan. Wait, no, no, I know. No, it just like it, it, with the way things are now, where a lot of people are playing on Moto, especially if it's like more affordable way to play Legacy, like what you're talking about. You yeah. go and I can't go buy a trop. You know, yeah. I was in the middle of building four car alone, then suddenly Throne of Eldraine came out, and it's like I can't pivot to go buy these quote, unquote blue cards that aren't blue cards. Right. Um they're so, just good because they're they're good mid-rangey, you know, stuff. Right. You know, especially like Uro, you know, that card is absolutely absurd. And then um, it pushed Liliana the Veil out of the deck. Yeah. It's like, wow, if I would have just waited till got pushed out of the deck she would have been cheaper so yeah. it's like you know and i get it there's everything changes and fluxes in, in regards to cost of cards but like there's a breaking point where the consumer is going to be like enough yeah I, I, well, and especially since it's happening at every set practically yeah. it's it's crazy yeah. but but yeah so, it, when, when it comes down to moto and, and the data you're talking about yeah it the whole I hear people talk a lot, a lot of times about magic being a puzzle that they have to solve. They get to the solution so quick. Oh yeah, that, that I'm surprised a new format isn't released. It's all streamed on uh, Good Games Done Quick. That's about how fast it takes to solve a format nowadays. Oh yeah, I mean, like Luris came out, you know, on the 15th, 16th of last month, hmm. and you know, part of our, oh, you know, Accordia was released. Uh, there were a couple uh, very good legacy players on Magic Online. Uh, one of them is the definitive legacy. He's basically the legacy end boss of, of Magic Online. As uh, so a user by the uh, a moniker of JPA ninety three, uh, and JPA usually plays like a lot of like stuff like Sneak and Show and like those kinds of decks, and they're very good at those kinds of decks, and they're very good player in general. And from what I understood, uh, just kind of talking with uh, Max Gilmore. Uh, aka Max Torsion on uh, Magic Online, who also is part of the Min Max uh, blog uh, with Min Hawk. Uh, they, he was like, yeah, I mean, JPA was playing Jeskai, the Jeskai Delver list, uh, you know, in leagues, you know, just like the day after like Loris came out, and he was something like 20, 30 matches to like three with wow. this deck, and I'm like, that's insane, like that, those numbers are nuts. Uh, that, that's just a really nutty win rate. He won a challenge on the deck. The challenges keep running back and forth between which version of Delver is really good that week. 
whoever's playing Bug or whoever's playing Just Guy, who's playing Grixis. Uh, and then, of course, like last week, they had one of the challenges was won by uh, Zerda, the Bant Zerda deck. Uh, and it's just, it's crazy. Like these challenges have been nuts. Like there was a super queue, super qualifier last, not last week's one, but the week before that. And literally, like, most of the top 32 was was Luris Delver boy uh, of some flavor like it you know of, of some color flavor uh and it's like holy cow like this is ridiculous and it's just it's a little nuts uh and so the format's been really crazy lately so uh, something's got to got to give uh they're gonna have to do something obviously they kind of knew that and i think that's just it like in one week you have to imagine even imagine in a day how many matches get played on Magic Online. You know, if this a guy, lot, you know, you know if JPA if JPA is in one day, thirty plus matches, and that's with Delver, with Delver of all things, which is not a hard, not an easy deck to play. You know, Delver is far from autopilot in Legacy. Oh, oh yeah, there are a ton of it's, decision trees. Oh with yeah, that deck. it's one of the. It is a very difficult deck to play. Uh, it's not as difficult as Elves. I'll give you that. Oh. The, the the most galaxy brain deck in the entire legacy format is elves. Honestly. And, and speaking of galaxy brain for a minute, a minute, not just to sidetrack from the these players that are doing well. Like I didn't know with Loris at don't have to declare him as your companion first yeah. game. Yeah. So he could literally assuming Ender here, sorry, Loris. And literally hide out in your sideboard game one. You could just play traditional elves to be like, ah, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Game two, and here's Loris, and it's like, oh, it's really good I, against I, Elver. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, this, this mechanic has to go because it's a, it's a crazy good Delver, Delver strategy for that deck. Well, it's so it's so galaxy brain for an elves player to do that though. Like take, taking Delver. The equation taking an archetype of the equation, just looking at this mechanic overall, just magic yeah, overall. But right? I mean, I mean, in general, what I'm what I'm saying is that the reason that that um the person who so the person that did that was um that kind of popularized that is uh Newton Hang, who is literally who if you ever want to learn how to play elves, you should just go talk to Newton Hang and just play whatever list he plays. Okay, because he knows everything about that deck. It's ridiculous. He's so good with that deck. Like he could coach you on playing elves, and you would instantly feel like a better elves player, but still not feel like a better elves player because the deck is so hard. Uh, <laughs> and he's just that good at the deck. And so that was just his meta call, like for that super Q event. He was like a people were, or the the showcase qualifier event where he he won the showcase qualifier on it. He was just like people are going to be playing. It's a showcase qualifier. People had to invite to get to this. Uh, people are going to play what they perceive as the best deck. Right. So people are going to play Delver. That's people are people are always in any relative format of Legacy. Uh, if you ask any Legacy player what they play at a top level competitive event, they're likely going to tell you a Delver Secrets deck. And I want to touch on that for a moment. It's kind of where I was going. I'm yeah. glad we're both yeah, yeah, on yeah. the same page here. Yeah. But when you play a a, a game that has a community like Magic. So not something like Warcraft or any MMO, really. When you play a game where there's an, a, an actual tangible community around it, like Magic the Gathering, there is this innate sense 
long. You don't want to be left behind. Yeah. You want you want to be part of the group. You want to feel part of something. Like if you look around and not to get too deep on this, but if you look around all the individual people from magic, they come from places where, oh, I, I didn't get along with anybody in school or I wasn't liked or I was bullied or I didn't fit in and I found magic and now I feel like I fit in. And you get to a point where a certain card is played so ubiquitously that you must play it it drives that point further where I need to belong, so I have to play this. Then the data where it shows the number of decks playing X cards or Loris plus Mishra's Bobble plus 56 other cards, the data points on that become so increasingly numerous that something has to be done. Oh, yeah. Things have gotten so far out of hand that this has now caused a problem. I, and I, here I am, roll me in the Midwest. I play magic and, and going about this most part on his own. I don't have a play group. So I meet all you guys at the store or whatever. No one gathers to like galaxy brain some shit together or whatever, right? I don't have a moto account because dummy me sold all my cards. Um, <laughs> but as far as my digital cards, um, it, we, we get to this point where it's like, I thought Magic was a game of exploration, brewing. You get these new cards, and with the digital clients we have, the format's all so fast, there's no time to look at brewing cards. And if you do brew, or left out on your own. No one's helping you because everybody's falling in line straight towards the goal. I get it that Magic's competitive and the competitive nature and the competitive scene or whatever is a big backbone of the game. It's not the only way to play, which we'll talk about that soon. Yeah. But, so I would like to, I would like uh, to note though, that, um, you know, there are a couple like really, really good brewers in legacy. Uh, and so like, I mean, you look at people like chase Hansen, uh, okay. AKA, uh, Strifo. Uh, if you've ever looked at Strifo pile, Strifo plays cards. He likes, <laughs> that's quite literally his deck <laughs> need more of that and and it's pretty amazing but uh i do want to uh give the the small little shout out to uh jtl uh 005 uh, okay. because that dude is galaxy brain of literal brewing uh if you've ever looked at the the esper vial deck that's been popping up here or there yeah, i've the been following post, that yeah that's jtl uh he's he's all him it hits his baby. It's the thing he created. And then recently uh, he's been playing and nobody got to see it <clears throat> last month when they should have seen it uh, because he top aided the showcase qualifier event, which the showcase qualifier event was basically if you won one of the showcase, if you top aided one of the showcase challenge events. Uh, so they, every during the, during like a season of, on Magic Online, they have these events called Showcase Challenges, and they require qualification points to enter. So uh, I think you need 40 QPs to enter a Showcase Challenge event. You get QPs from uh, completing leagues. You get QPs from regular challenges. You get QPs from uh, doing well in preliminary events, which fire throughout the week. So in order to get to the Showcase Qualifier for that first season, you have to have done well in one of the showcase challenge events 
to in order to qualify for. So it's a it's a qualified based event. Uh, so JTL is that good. He he's won a challenge. He's done really well in the showcase challenges with Esper Vile. Uh, and then the showcase qualifier, he played this deck, and you look at this deck and you go, huh, what is going on with this deck? Uh, and this deck is uh, called uh, Blue White Tempo, is what he's called it. Uh, because I talk, I, I talk on and off to JTL. Uh, he is uh, one of the... Uh, uh, I'm also part of the uh, infamously shadowy Delver chat that you may have <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, Del- Delver chat is a, is, a, is a cool thing. Uh, a lot of cool people in Delver chat. Uh, but so JTL plays this deck and it's, 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 it's called blue white tempo. Uh, I'm pulling up the list now, uh, cause, uh, Julian, uh, Kanab played it in last weekend's challenge. Yes. On the ninth challenge and top aided with it made like fifth place. I want to say, uh, with it, but this deck starts with, it has, a, it, it is a lure. It is a Luris deck. We'll just get that out of the way mm. now. It has a Lurus deck, and it does have four Mistress Bobble in it. It does have four Soel. It does play Brainstorm. It's blue-white. But it starts with four Weathered Wayfarer. <laughs> weathered Wayfarer. Let that sink in. Yes. Four Fathom Seer. What? If you don't know what Fathom Seer is, it has a Morph card. It costs one and a blue normally. But you're never going to cast it for its normal mana cost. You're going to morph it. Because its morph cost is return to islands you control to their owner's hand. And when it is turned face up, you draw two cards. It is gush on a creature. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this deck has four Fathom Seer in it. And it also... What is that from? Was that uh, like... It was originally Time Spiral. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. Time spiral, yeah. Uh it has a Knight of the White Orchid in it. <laughs> uh it has two Lavinia Azorius Renegades. Yeah, uh, all these modern cards. Yep. Four meddling mage. Uh, because meddling mage is really, really good. Uh right now, especially. That's like this is the best card in this format of having companions is meddling mage. Oh yeah, play metal uh, mage named Lurus. Yeah, you name their companion. Yeah, or you know whatever removal spell that they have, uh, and then, of course you just blow up their thing. Uh, there's also a Vantress Gargoyle on this list. Uh, people don't know who Vantress Gargoyle is. It's from Throne of Eldraine. Uh, it's a one and a blue artifact creature gargoyle has flying. Uh, it's a five four, uh, but it can't attack unless defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard, and it can't block unless you have oh, four yeah. or more cards in hand. And then it has a tap ability of each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. So it's like a, a, a big Delver kind of card, like for two mana. Uh, this deck plays, you know, four days. It plays, you know, four Force of Will. It plays two copies of Cataclysm. <laughs> Cataclysm. <laughs> Why not? Well, because you think about it, you cast Cataclysm, and then you morph Fathom Seer. <laughs> And you bounce two islands to your hand. And suddenly your cataclysm is not that bad. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh my not goodness. At all. It is insane. This deck is so cool. I have to give him props for this deck. Like he's he's done so well with it. 
you know, I mean, he's regularly doing well with this deck. Uh, like I said, he, he four one to top eight because the showcase challenges are really small because of how many people co- uh, qualify for them. So when they publish the deck list for that, they only publish the top 13 deck list because there's just that few people in the event. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he went four to one and he top eight at that event with it, and then just like from there, like got kind of making the rounds. Uh, a couple other people played it. Uh, looks like Rich Shea five zero to league with it. Uh, so it's it's too cool of a deck. Uh, I have to give them him props for this because it's just insane. Uh, it's too cool to see this kind of deck appear in the format. So that will be the only thing. Like if if Luris didn't slot so well into Delver. Uh, it would make other decks uh, interesting. Uh, like there is a there's a taxes deck uh, that is floating around now as well, which is basically it's basically just white weenie uh, because it's it's not even really taxes, even though it plays plays Thalia. You know, you get to, you get to play Thalia, but not even really fully taxes. It's really just a white weenie deck. Is that the uh, one playing Kithian? Yes, yes. You get to play Kithian. And you get to play SMRU. You get to play like Giver of Runes. And you get to play Lotus Petal and Mox Amber. And you get to play Smuggler's Copter. Uh, and Smuggler's Copter in Legacy in yeah, 2020. Yeah. Oh, is the oh, end time. oh, and you do get to play one of the cooler cards that I have to admit came in white strategies that came out of uh, War of the Spark last year, which is Tomic, Distinguished Ag- Advocate. Yeah. Uh, that card is really cool. Really good. Yeah. Uh, somebody actually, we so, uh, somebody on one of my articles commented that uh, the name of this deck should be Tomic and Jerry. Let's just let that sink in. That's that's great. Uh, I to, oh. I had to give it that. Yeah, Tomic and Jerry. Plus, plus so. one on that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. really good. Yeah, I, I I was pretty happy with it. So, but yeah, so that's a deck that's been showing up around, and like so, like it kind of like gives these kind of these kind of decks some cool like tools, and you get to kind of do some neat things with them. But then at the same time, like you're like, oh, like these decks are really neat, and I wish that you know I'd see more of these because it enforces those kind of strategies. But then it also makes Delver really good. Great. Uh, well, let's compare the two real quick. Like that first one you mentioned, the the white blue. Yeah, the tempo uh, deck. Mid-range tempo deck. Yeah, it's basically half, just a tempo deck. Half the cost of that deck. Half the cost of that deck. On paper. Uh, yeah, on paper. Four, yeah, two grand. Four tundras. Four tundras is half the cost of that deck. Yep. Or Force of Wills is, what, like 20% of that deck. Yep. That's crazy. Force of Negation. Force of Negation. Yeah. Three Force of Negation is $120. And the board, yeah. Still, like m- most of this is modern deck. Oh, and, it, and and then if you look at online prices, it gets weirder because yes, the deck is only like seven hundred and on Moto, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at like the price of Force of Negation on Moto versus the price of Force of Will, three Force of Negation is cost more than four Force of Will. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. But yeah, let's go to the the white weenie deck. So that one was this white weenie deck in paper in Legacy for four hundred thirty bucks. About is that really how much it is? 
I'm looking at your $35. (laughs) There are are modern decks that are easily twice this much. Yeah. That's nuts. And most of the cost of this is Wasteland. Oh. Yeah. Big, big one is Wasteland. The other one is. The original print. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see here. MTG Goldfish will pull the least expensive uh, printing. So it's Eternal Masters is the least expensive one currently. So that's $114, give or take, uh, around there. Yeah, for the playset. And then, like, your other one, other big expensive ones are going to be, like, Caracas. Like, you have three Caracas. Uh, You also have uh, Mox Amber, which has gone up quite a bit, thanks to, like, just being out out of standard and Pioneer and weird stuff, that nature. There's a... Mox, three Mox Amber is, like, 66 bucks. Uh, but then also like Lotus Petals. Lotus Petals is reasonable too. Thalia is much better now because Thalia got reprinted in Masters 25. So that really Thalia is priced a lot. But Council's Judgment, which hasn't seen a reprint in forever. Yeah, that's that's a card I would be worried about if you don't have that in AC or EDH or Commander. Um, I, be- I kind of hope they'll reprint that at some point. That would be a nice <sighs> reprint. I if they do, it would probably have to be. It would probably have to. Well, actually, yeah. There's that Commander's Legend. Yeah, they could put it in there. They could also put like they could also put Mox Amber in there too. I think. Oh yeah, they could. Yeah, I Lotus Petal's a weird one because that's a hard one to reprint. But I would hope they would reprint it at some point. Yeah, I don't know. It's not on the reserve list, so they no, could. it's not. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Like, if you're looking for a deck, like. You know, if Loris doesn't get banned, well, I mean, Loris is gonna get banned. What are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> uh, this deck doesn't probably exist. Like, the problem with these two decks is like they don't really exist if Loris gets banned, unfortunately. Yeah. This deck, this deck maybe exists, but it's a lot worse if you don't have Loris. Uh, this yeah. deck, the, the mono white, the white weenie one is not playing bobbles, uh, but it's just really just using Loris as like a value play, which is kind of what you want out of it. So who knows? It, I doubt this deck exists in, in a vacuum of Luris being gone, though, just because um, you're just going to want to play Death and Taxes more. Like, and you're going to want to play Stoneforge Mystic and you're going to want to play Batterskull. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to play these cards if you don't. If, but who knows? You know, maybe somebody will continue to take the shell and tune it if Luris is gone and play, play it more. It seems like a lot of fun uh, for sure. You know, they have Toolcraft Exemplar in this deck. Right. That's wild. It's crazy. So, Leonin Arbiter. It's like modern Deaths and Taxes. You know, except, except you get to play your Cat Jesus on turn one with the Lotus Petals. Wait, so can the, we talk so, about that art on Cat Jesus for a minute? So that's hilarious. This is hilarious. Wait, 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 wait. You can do this. You can go turn one. Your opponent can go turn one, whatever land they want. You can go turn one, Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Leonin Arbiter, Ghost Quarter, get you. <laughs> and then it's like well <laughs> guess i lose bgs <laughs> yep and then you can just like go like turn to thalia oh no you can't do oh you can play mox amber and yeah. then, uh, you, you, whatever you figure it out you'll play you'll get you'll get something on board to play turn two but you have a two two that's swinging turn two and they have no lands so <laughs> <laughs> you go turn one Thalia and then into Leon and Arbiter. Uh, maybe a lot of these decks, especially like the Delver decks, mm. they don't have their second land. That's really hard. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They, they really have to counter that. So, 
I love I love Legion Arbiter. Look, look at that art. Yeah. Look at that art, man. Yeah. He's just chilling there on the throne. He's he got sweet armor on. Yep. And what what are you fighting? You're just chilling in your armor. That that's big pimping right there. Yeah. So so my so my big prediction, we'll we'll just well I'll give my Scott gave his prediction of they're they're just gonna ban the mechanic entirely in legacy. Uh, my prediction is that's just going to be Luris is going to be banned. So well, we let's can read. Vintage. Yeah. So let's talk about vintage. Vintage is a really interesting. <laughs> this is a really interesting topic in the regards to vintage. Uh, so the the biggest thing about these cards in vintage is that there is no way to uh, deal with these cards uh, from a standpoint of the normal way that we deal with cards in vintage. Uh, so oh, if, if you've never played a vintage before, uh, vintage has a Band list uh, that consists typically of cards that are either anti cards like contract from below, uh, that sort of thing, amulet of quos, uh, and then also uh, cards that have to deal with dexterity. Uh, so things like chaos orb, falling star, those kinds of cards. Uh, cards the the card type conspiracy uh, is banned in the format because they don't were never intended to work in a constructed format. Awesome. Uh, uh, and then, Sh- uh, yeah, Shahrazad, yeah, okay. cards that sh- cards that deal with sub games, uh, which of of which Shahrazad is the only card that is in that category in Black Border, uh, and that was more of a, um, that was more of a band that was like, look, like this is just logistically dumb, and it, it just made sense. Like it it, it was banned, uh, I think, in like two thousand four. I want to say, uh, I think so. I yeah. Yeah, and it, oh. basically at the time they were like, "Look, there's just, it's it's too logistically stupid to to deal with this card." Uh, Side yeah. note about uh, about Shahrazad: I was playing a game of uh, Jihad, uh, what it was named before Vampire: The Eternal Struggle. Yes, and it, there are eight there are eight people at the table, and the person to my right looked at me. He's like, "You want to play some magic while we're waiting?" Sure. <laughs> <laughs> During the game, he played a Shahrazad. So we had a sub game of magic on our game of magic while we're waiting to take our turns in Jihad. <laughs> it's 2007. It was September of 2007. It was banned in both Legacy and Vintage. So there was a brief period of time this card was banned. It was legal in the Legacy. It was legal in the Legacy. Like, oh my God. What? Yeah. So, so yeah. So those are the cards. So those are the cards that are typically banned. Now, there's now everything else in, like, in Vintage is is restricted which means that you can only play one copy of that card so things like uh the power nine you know uh black lotus the moxen your ancestral recall that sort of thing those are all cards that are all restricted you can only play one of them so and this is how they've kind of managed the format for a long time you know they don't really generally uh ban cards at all in the format for power level reasons they generally restrict them for power level reasons however the companions uh, and most notably Luris in general, uh, because Luris is the problem, honestly, uh, is a little bit different because they sit out in your sideboard, uh, so they don't restricting them does nothing. You only need one, anyways, and they're in your sideboard, so it doesn't. You can't restrict this card. It's not possible to restrict this card. So uh, I think Monday is going to be a really weird day for vintage. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because I feel like we are going to see the first ever, uh, I can't say truly power level, but slight power level, slight structural uh, ban 
uh, ban in vintage. Uh, we are going to see a card get banned in vintage, uh, and that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lurus, yeah, Lurus, most assured. Oh, Lurus. I, I thought they were going to be in Black Lotus. No, no, not oh. at all. Oh, okay. No, no. Uh, so when we talk about talking about banning cards, you know, there's a there's a some of it keep in mind, and I think a lot of people lose perspective of this a little bit when they when you talk about banning cards. You don't always ban cards for power level reasons. Uh, sometimes you ban cards for structural uh, integrity reasons as well, whether or not it's uh, integrity of the format. You know, they banned Arkham's Astrolabe and Popper, and it really wasn't because it was too strong for the format. It was really because it kind of homogenized the format. Uh, everybody started playing the, kind of the similar, same mana base, same decks. Uh, they just kind of congealed on these several decks that were the best decks to be playing, and that was all there was to it. Wait, wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. So you mean that a card can be banned to make sure that the format is diverse? It can be, yeah. I mean, what? that's... I mean, that was kind of why Deathrite Shaman was banned, in a sense. Maybe that explains why Splinter Twin was banned in Modern. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not... Happy. I'm not you know, upset that twins not back. So that's fine. Yeah, I, I, hope <laughs> I exuded enough sarcasm. <laughs> audio. But, uh, Splinter twin can die in a fire. Going anyway, uh, back to Loris. Cause I'm seeing like the eight Loris decks. Oh yeah. Eight vintage. Yeah. Like it's, it's not everywhere in this format. No. Uh, and you know, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different, there's a bunch of different Loris decks. Let's just be realistic there. There are a bunch of different Luris decks. But really, the Luris decks have basically gotten to the point where you are playing Luris, you're playing Power, you're playing Restricted Blue cards, and then you are playing whatever win condition you want to run. Uh, and that either ends up being a card like Underworld Breach or Paradox Glaucom, or you're running a Farish like Xeroxy type version in, so you're playing like Dark Confidant and Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Or you're playing like Sprite Dragon, uh, which is seen a lot of play in these decks. Uh, or you're playing like a Deathrite Shaman based deck, uh, basically. So the downside of this this whole meta shift, this whole power shift in the format, has been that long time strategic pieces of the format, decks that were parts of the format like Bazaar of Baghdad decks. Uh, and Mistress Workshop decks have been shuffled off to the wayside. Uh, They're just not competitive uh, in this new uh, format. And uh, I honestly... I, I, I am going to say a little bit of emotional attachment to Bizarre Baghdad because I, I kind of hate that that's that way. Uh, yeah. I, I know that they're, they're contentious cards for players in the format. Uh, Bazaar of Baghdad and Mistress Workshop have been extolled up and down through the ages of vintage that these cards should not be they should not be around in terms of four ofs. They should not be they should be restricted. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, like it's, it's never going to happen. Uh, they're always going to have Bazaar of Baghdad. It's always going to have Mistress Workshop. That's just we've kind of yeah we've kind of accepted the fact that. Yeah, this is the format where you get to play those cards. It's uh, too late to do it. Like if they were to have done it, they should have done it back in 
2007 or a couple of years after that, before these formats, now, especially the, on Magic Online, started to become as popular as they are now. Well, see, Workshop was technically restricted at one point. Uh, let me see here. There was it's easy to find it, uh, but it, it was it was, unrest- it was restricted. Uh, shoot. I'm going to have to go all the way up to the top of this timeline here. There's a really great article on, on uh, NTG Gamepedia on uh, things that when things become restricted and when things that. So Misery's Workshop was restricted actually in 1994 uh, at on June 1994. It was restricted when we still when we just had uh, magic. It was all it was at the time. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't any formats at the time that didn't exist uh because the rocks were soft huh when the rocks were soft yeah yeah and so like you didn't have any of that stuff until 1995 when vintage was type one type one vintage and type two standard were introduced so measures workshop was restricted in in june of 1994 and then it became unrestricted let me just Slide uh, here. It's the formation of Type One, I would think. No, no, it was it was a while. It was it was restricted for quite a while. Okay. Uh, they restricted stuff like Time Spiral and Memory Jar. Memory Jar was restricted in 1999. Uh, oh, wow. Card that occurred in 1999 for like Lion's Eye Diamond stuff like that. Ivory Tower, Mirror Universe, Underworld Dreams were unrestricted at some point. Those cards were actually restricted at some point in Vintage. <laughs> uh, Demonic Consultation and not ne- Necropodents were restricted in 2000. You're saying Necropodent. Uh, I think I think it's I think that that one's definitely one I would like to see unrestricted, but that's just me. Uh, it's Necropotents. Uh, I always said necropotence, but <laughs> whatever. Just messing with you. I, I thought you said underworld dreams. I'm like, you just that at uncommon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, imagine that was a card that once once restricted in a format. <laughs> uh, yeah. The mighty have fallen. Yeah. Uh, boy, I can't find it here. It must have been. That's okay. I mean, I I trust your judgment on. Anything vintage related because I, I never played the format. Um, it was unrestricted in October of 1997. I knew if I said something, you'd find it. Yep. Um, yep. I did. I had to control F. I was, that was that's me. okay. So, yeah. So, so for, for four, three, three years, you couldn't play one cut. You can play only one copy of, you know, Mr.'s Workshop. Three out of the 27. Right, <laughs> right. So it's been around for a really long time in the format, and uh, since Legacy became a thing, because Legacy huh. was uh, separated from Vintage in two thousand four. Yeah, two thousand four. Yep, yep. And so, like, all this stuff was, you know, but you know, Bizarre has been part of Vintage for forever. And so. really, to touch on that for a moment, because uh, it kind of ties up both, really kind of all three as far as Vintage Legacy and Modern, but especially Vintage Legacy, 
the importance of Bazaar's inclusion is it it's the backbone of Dredge. And yeah. Dredge is a deck in Vintage and Legacy is that deck you should always be on the lookout for, will come up and do well and then go away, but it does it all on its own. There's right. no need for a ban or card, new cards or anything like that. It, the format can kind of police that type of deck. That's what makes having that deck learning it inside and out so great is it's fun to play you're doing something completely different than any other type of magic yeah and you have your moments where everything's great and then moments where you just get crapped on and not having a deck having that pushed out because of some stupid three two life linking cat <laughs> nightmare cat or cat nightmare I don't know if you yeah. don't like cats, I guess it would be a cat nightmare. Yeah. Um, having a three, two life linking cat. And, and I like cats, by the way. You can't play that. Yeah. That, that's just, it's, it's odd. Nothable. It, it's not fair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, and it's not like, yeah, I will admit, you know, I have an emotional attachment to both bizarre and workshop. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see them be a part of the format. Um, I like strategies that tend to run counter to, you know, the norm of the format. Uh, and and I, I, I understand that there are people that are having fun with these grindy, you know, matchups of, you know, Luris and stuff. But my limited, you know, and I, I have a limited amount of play in, in it with it. Uh, I played a couple. Uh, played a league, and I played a played a, about a week uh, worth of you know games, and uh, just I just was like, yeah, I just I can't. This is not fun for me. I I can't do this. Like it's just not fun at all. Uh, I'm, so, I'm looking at these lists, Joe. The vintage list with Loris. You know what they look like to me? Hmm. They look like CEDH decks. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they kind of tend to take the same. CDH kind of tends to take similar cues, uh, but you can't play power in CEDH. Sure, sure. But yeah. I mean, just looking at them, there's like, there's one of this powerful card and one of that powerful effect and so on. And I get that. That's the whole backbone of that format. And I'm not digging on that. Yeah. You know, that that's fine <laughs> if you want to play that format. When I see, I see vintage kind of turn into that or kind of look uh, just from a, an outsider's viewpoint looking into it it's like wow this yeah it, and it, it kind of goes that way and a lot of people are like opinion wasn't made to draw commanders into competitive magic i'm like bullcrap it wasn't this is exactly what they're doing you look at it like this and it's like you have your one of loris you're one of your restricted cards it's like this looks like uh, commander deck now granted commander players are not going to be playing vintage because oh i can play loris now but it's like you look at the design of the of these cards especially with loris people are playing a loris deck not playing a uh, a po deck you know it might be loris po but the the companion name is coming first just like in commander yeah so in their rooms where they're brainstorming all these cards and stuff and designing sets this is exactly what they were going for yeah they succeeded but they 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 overshot everything 
And yeah, it's a problem. I, I think I think Luris especially was was honestly super pushed, yeah. uh, especially for this format. And honestly, I don't know how you couldn't look at Luris and go, "Wow, that's probably pretty busted with Black Lotus." I uh, I know, Be- like you know, just like oh. I thought about that. I'm like, well, I don't think that's 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 a thing. Like, I'm pretty sure that you could just look at this card and go, "Yeah, Black Lotus seems like a great card to cast this card with." I know how they missed it. Quote, because we don't test for older formats. Right. Quote. Right. That's how they missed it. So, yeah. So, to my, so, to, to talk about it a little bit further, yeah. the mechanic itself in vintage probably is honestly okay. Uh, as far as like, if we were to just remove Loris from the equation, uh, Loris is obviously going to be the most pushed one. Uh, Zerda could possibly see some play after that, but I have a feeling that Zerda is not as powerful as it would you would think it would be. Uh, just simply because the format is so used to dealing with artifact-centric stat- strategies right. because of the sheer existence of power. Why uh, Karn, uh, Karn was restricted. Right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where I have a feeling that yeah, I also think that too. I also think four Karn, having four one Karn versus four Karn is also a big deal uh, for Zerda because it gives you additional way to win uh, and you have additional toolboxy strategies in order to get your other half of your combo uh, and having one Karn doesn't really do that good for you. So I have a feeling that's why Zerda is probably fine. The other one that I'm actually really okay with that's actually seeing play in Vintage is Lutri. Uh, and that card is... Oh quite interesting because you give up a ton to play it i mean you are essentially playing a singleton deck for your non-land cards hmm. and that means you're giving up three force of will uh you know so like hmm <laughs> okay you can play yeah. force of negation you can play pact of negation uh, a lot of them are playing no, I don't think you're. They're playing counterspell. I haven't seen Bond any song. Uh, but really, the big thing that helps with that deck is a lot of the um, what's the word? Bird. Uh, yeah, the bird is the word. Uh, I have to pull back <laughs> a little further on uh, goldfish to find uh, it. Okay, find a list, but they're uh, all your. You're looking at the list. I, I want to mention something about Lutri because you brought that up, right? This is the cycle companions. We start with Lutri being banned before we even see all the other companions, like pre-banned, right? Everybody's losing their mind. What do you mean I can't play that card? It's my choice. I want to play that card. Rabba, 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 rabba. Commander's not a real format, Scott. You can play whatever well, you want. Well, I, I, I know, I know. But just the immediacy of that impact that community reaction like, you know, all of it gotta go like everything's been flipped on a dime it's crazy it just uh i don't so know like just one of the ones that did well that did well in the challenges was uh basically they played uh like main deck pyroblast main deck red elemental blast they were playing serum visions yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah, they were playing Portent. They were playing Ponder. They were playing Preordain. <laughs> uh, they were playing Spell Pierce. 
uh, Days, uh, Demonic Tutor. Uh, yeah. uh, what's no, no sliding hand. I didn't see a sliding hand. Uh, but they get to play, uh, you know, the one main deck, Force of Negation. You get to play Force of Will. You get to play a uh, main deck copy of Money Break Trap, uh, which makes sense. Uh, trap. Then, yeah, Trap makes perfect sense. So you get to play main deck. Uh, there's no main deck Flusterstorm in this. That seems weird. Uh, there's a sideboard Flusterstorm. So, uh, and, and of course, you get to play, like, you know, if you want to play, you switch off the Lutri plan, you can just board into three Force of Will. And whatnot, and that seems fine. They're also playing cards like Mystical Dispute out of the sideboard, uh, Energy Flux, uh, By Force, uh, Tabernacles, uh, that sort of thing. So and, and let's just talk, we can talk about that for like Paper Vintage is the next time Paper Vintage actually gets played, it's going to be so weird because everybody's playing like multiple Tabernacles in their sideboard. Well, real quick on that type of prediction. Think there'll be any paper vintage played this calendar year? No, I don't think Eternal Weekend will go. I don't uh, think either. Really canceled. No. Yeah, it'll be a weird. It'll be a weird time when it does though, because uh, because of the, the and it's awkward because the sheer presence of Hollow Vine has made decks have to devote ways to beat that deck. Uh, and of course, the best way to beat that deck is to play Tabernacle. It's really, really good against that deck uh, because you know they play Hollow One and Vengevine and those kinds of cards, and they don't play mana typically. Uh, they, they're the mana production that they're playing is generally like Wasteland and Strip Mine because of the fact that you're playing Tabernacle. Did you see Aaron playing that deck the other night? Yeah, you know, did you know that deck actually plays sometimes occasionally plays tabernacles in its sideboard? No, I didn't. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because the mirror is so so bad. Uh the mirror is just so awful that uh you play uh two to three tabernacles in your sideboard for that deck for the mirror. Uh oh. so that um basically what you do is you hold back all of your cast stuff. So like mm-hmm. you hold back your root walls and you hold back your your hollow ones. Uh, so that you can force them to not have creatures, and then you dump all your Venge Vines, and then you Alpha Strike them with your Venge Vines. Two turns in a row. Like Basically, you go, I'm going to cast my Hollow on a Hollow. I'm going to play four Venge Vines in the yard. I'm going to Bizarre with the Squeeze that I've built up. Uh, I'm going to cast this uh, Hollow One, cast this Hollow One, uh, 12, uh, 4, 8, 12, 16 you. Uh, And then, yeah, I'm going to lose all my stuff that turn, that next turn. Sure, I'm gonna cast two basking root walls off madness and do it again. Like <laughs> that's basically the way you play the mirror. Uh, is you uh, you try to counter things that they do relevantly, uh, and you just try to like establish something like a tabernacle and make them make it stick and it's make not- it. Yeah, the, the mirror is actually the most god awful thing on the planet. Uh, it's about as bad as playing Garuda mirrors. Uh, speaking of all these companions like we talked in, in legacy about what we predict will happen as far as being banned we're, we're only seeing Loris being banned in vintage I mean I, I'm just going to default to you on this but I, I hearing you talk about this reading your articles yeah seems like the logical choice just to do one card yes um, maybe they will if they ban like Loris you can't use Loris as your companion. Yeah, 
I don't I see them the doing that. that. It's too weird. Yeah. So my, my, the problem I have with that that is that I don't see them doing that because I think that that's a little bit more complex than they want. Right. Uh, they just have to be kind of simple. Uh, yeah, you know, they that on Moto. <laughs> That was something I was thinking about too. Uh, you know, granted, if they really wanted to do it, they'd do it. Uh, you know, if they really, really wanted to do it, they would make it happen. But I don't think it's going to happen from the standpoint of uh, the fact that they just like to be a little. They like to be simple uh, about things. Uh, it's it's really just pick the path that's really the easiest way of handling things, uh, and you know. The the, the 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 flip side of this is that we are looking at really at what amounts to kind of a momentous occasion. Uh, this is yeah, really there'll be a lot of PR time. behind it. This is going to be really the first time that they're they're going to ban something in vintage in a long time, and for a reason that generally, I, I can't wait to read the ban and restricted announcement for this honestly because I want to I really want to hear what their their actual uh, you know the the reasoning is and whatnot because I'm really curious what that is, uh, and it's just simply because, yeah, uh, you know, you might be they might be coming out and actually saying that we believe Lurus of the Dream Den, a card we printed in 2020, is more powerful than Ancestral Recall and Black Lotus, and that's frightening as heck to think. In yeah. right. So the problem with that is, is that, you know, what, what people bring up, you know, in regards to that, like, you know, the people that are like, oh, we should never ban cars in vintage should never happen uh, because it leads to a slippery slope policy of if we ban this card on a power level reasoning, what's to stop them from banning other cars in the same reasoning? And I think that doesn't really apply for this. And the only reason I say that is because this card, this mechanic works so differently and does things so differently than anything else they've ever printed before that it's really just possible for them to say, look, this card's banned, done, we'll never do this again if, you know, depending on whether or not we ever print anything like this ever again, which, you know, getting into that, you know, is saying, I doubt that they're ever going to print companions again. This is probably going to be the only ones we ever have. I just, don't think they will. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think, I think the, I think the, the massive amount of polarization on the topic uh, has proven to them that it's not worth it. Uh, now, the other the other fallacy of that is that they could print more, uh, and you know, somebody mentioned that too. Like, you know, if Luris is really super powerful, if they print more that are just kind of like on the same uh, area, maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. So, you know, no, if every if, if every deck has a companion then you know not everybody has to play the same one it's basically the the argument there uh but i don't see them ever doing this again uh and i don't ever see them uh making this happen so uh i think that really they're just going to ban this card and they're going to be like look this was really a mistake uh and uh that's you know just the way it's going to be you know so yeah i like it, it just it seems like the easiest way to do this is just simply ban that one card. It's yeah. totally fine. Um, and really, those who were 
I hope people don't worry about that because I mean the vintage players are are oftentimes the backbone of the entire Magic community, playing the longest. They're completely invested, not just in their format, but in the game in its entirety. And from what you've told me, from what other people have told me, they're some of the nicest, most welcoming people. You want to just play Magic or you want to just talk about Magic? Cool. Right. Come sit down. You want a drink? I'll get you a drink. Yeah. But people like that, they're not, they're not, they, they know their place. They're not so competitive in a game that normal social interaction is beyond them. Granted, a lot of these people make a whole lot of money in their normal job. They yeah. know they, they compete in other avenues of their life. They don't, they may not need say that particular competitive outlet. Like, I don't know. It, it's weird. I don't want to assume, but it's just, this is why I'm taking in from what other people have told me about their encounter with vintage players. Yeah. That's awesome. They're important just because we don't have a bunch of paper events for them. Right. Doesn't mean they should be pushed to the side. And I just simply banning this one card, you can look back all the way back to the beginnings of the game and see that most of the cards they've dealt with in this format, unless they've been super problem cards, like the ones we talked about earlier in this segment, right. they've, been, they've been restricted. They still want people to play with them. They just don't right. want them to appear as much. Right. That, that's the whole, um, whole the, uh, appeal of that format. Is that, uh, sure, I can play Ancestral Recall, but, but I only, I only get play one. one of them. Right, and that makes the variance of the format a little higher, right. for sure. Uh, and again, that's the thing. Like, it, you know, you're going to draw a restricted card. You know, maybe you know, fourteen, fifteen percent of the time. You know, occasionally, but you know, there's obviously all those a bunch of restricted cards. So you're going to draw, you know, at least one. You know, depending on what it is. Uh, but you know, you're not going to draw, you know, your restricted card hundred percent of the time. Right. You know, you're going to draw Luris hundred percent of the time. Exactly. That's and that's that's really the 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 bet the worst thing about it in this format is, it, and what I've noticed uh, about it is that it makes these uh, these games where you have a, a like a lotus opener. You know, lotus openers are the worst with this card because obviously it just lets you cast the card turn one, uh, and that literally is the most snowbally thing on the planet. When you look at the how you interact with these cards, and somebody was I was having a discussion with somebody, and they were like, "You know, it's a three-two. Why don't you just bolt it?" I'm like, "Have you ever <laughs> have you ever been in a situation where you have to bolt Alaris?" And they're like, "No." And I was like, "It does not feel good at all. Uh, you are in a position where you are immediately getting two for wand, uh, and not even that. You're getting like three for wand practically. Yeah, easily like every exchange <laughs> with this card." And it's simply because they're going to cast Loris. They're going to cast Lotus. They're going to cast Loris off their Lotus. They're going to go to cast Lotus again, and you're going to bolt it. And then you're just literally down a card to their like three cards that they've cast. It's and ridiculous. It's real bad. Every, every amount of exchange with this card feels real bad. Uh, and if you can't just permanently get rid of it, uh, so a lot of these decks are playing, you know, cards to get it back at some point, you know, they're going to play like, you know, unearth or reanimate or, you know, those kind of cards to be able to get back their, their Loris if they lose it. Uh, and he, and he honestly, you know what, I'm going to be realistic here. 
people are playing dead weight in vintage. Yeah, I saw what? I saw your article about that. Dead, dead weight, dead weight, and seal of fire, seal of fire, in vintage. Yeah, I, I saw some decks that had seal of cleansing as well. It's like, oh boy. Uh, I actually really like seal of cleansing. I, I do too. Yeah, I'm playing two copies of that in my sideboard for Legacy Zerta, and that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool there. So, so you know where we don't have to worry about Loris or any of the other companions. Older formats. Closed formats. Old school, which we're going to talk about that next week. We, yeah. we, we need to, we're going to do that today, but there's so much just to use a, a cliche phrase, but meat and potatoes about this upcoming BNR announcement that's going to come out in a few days. I hear that, that has to take center stage. The actual results next week, but right. we don't have to touch. We don't have to go too crazy with that next week. Cause we're going to know what, what it's going to do. So Exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll open up. We'll touch on what happened uh, compared to our what what we talked about, and then we'll go into uh, the things we want to talk about, like old school, middle school. Uh, my article that you can on uh, legitmtg uh, dot com should go through some old standard decks, which I I still have in paper. Nice. I just I love them so much that after I got rid of them, like I'm an idiot. I could have kept those. I go into a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some other formats. Yeah. And then also um, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, of kind of a movement that's kind of been popping up like lately in the legacy community uh, next week. Uh, it's a uh, called pre Innistrad legacy. Uh, so if you like legacy before Delver of secrets became a card, if you Survival that, decks. Yeah, if you remember that format, it, that's it's a, it's a pretty fun format from what I understand. Uh, some people are really enjoying it. Uh, so, uh, shout out to, uh, Caleb Smith, uh, AKA white faces. Uh, he's been a big, uh, portion of that, uh, community. So okay, and all right. speaking of communities, uh, we're going to end out on our community shout out section. Uh, so we'll to talk a little bit about, uh, we have our local, local game stores, uh, and a lot of them are starting to open back up uh now uh at least to open back up to card sales and like merchandise sales uh pickups things like that yeah 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 yeah. uh so uh, obviously if you haven't been following around the news every state's a little bit different but uh ohio uh they basically said that you know was that march 12th or whatever places were be able to start opening back up as far as retail yeah, May twelfth. May twelfth. Sorry, not March twelfth. <laughs> That's 12th. okay. Time. What is it? Right. Uh, what is time? <laughs> yeah, so May twelfth. They said everybody. You know, we can start. You know, uh, you know, opening back up retail stores with you know restrictions and that sort of thing going on. Uh, and so a lot of the local game stores are starting to back up. It's going to be a while, I think, before we return to any sort of sense of normalcy when it comes to events at these uh, stores, but we'll be able to actually start going to these stores again and start uh, actually giving them money, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, a, a lot. I don't know about the stores in our area, but I know some retailers, the restrictions that the individual the retailers putting is not accepting cash. So you right, may yeah. have to use a debit or credit card yeah. uh, for your purchase. So that that's something that people need. If you're, if you're going out in general, not necessarily going to a, a magic store, if you're going out anywhere, any small business, 
make sure you contact them first and and see what their restrictions are. Yeah. So uh, w- Joe and I are fortunate. Uh, there's probably within 15 to 30 minute drive from where we live uh, under normal circumstances, probably like 11 to 15, if not more uh, stores that you can go to to buy magic. And most of those can play magic at in some capacity. Yeah. Now, some are more popular than others. But like the big one we go to is Epic Loot in Centerville. Yeah. Um, and so far, that's the only location that's open. Their Springfield location is not open yet. Um, they're going to announce that at a later time. Um, uh, that probably has a lot to do with the mall, too, because their Springfield location is located inside a mall. And so. it's, it's not, it's not a good mall and <laughs> it definitely is um, not a good mall. <laughs> I would, be, I would be curious if anybody was shopping at that mall on the day it was open, uh, or retailers were, I, I'm really curious what the foot traffic was in there. But anyway, a, a side point, um, Mavericks, I, I'd live really close to Mavericks. Yep. Um, been going there since I was 12. I'm uh spoiler alert. I'll be 45 this year. Kind of uh, gives you an idea. Um, they've had curbside pickup available like this whole time. Mm-hmm. I was able to go up there and get some things, but a diamond stopped distributing comics. So like I can get sealed product if I wanted. Right. Um, so like there's that, um, and there's the game Haven, which I mentioned earlier, uh, out in uh, between Dayton and Fairborn out by the air force base. Uh, there's bell book and comic. Yeah. Uh, which is right around the uh, corner from Marion's Pizza. They actually got in trouble for staying open when they shouldn't have. Yeah, See? I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, it, seems like a very, it seems like a very Pete Bell thing to do. Uh, yeah, honestly. it does. Yeah. Um, seems, seems like a very Pete Bell. I, I live yeah. literally like five minutes around the corner from them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- there's no limit gaming in Kettering. Yep. Uh, a, a Wizards of the Coast came out and did some video or filming of them this was a couple of years ago they did that uh, they did but, a commercial thing uh film uh, oh at, yeah that's right they did remember yeah just the way jacob corbin uh looked in that commercial just cracks me up every time but um, <laughs> yeah yeah I, no. I came out and i played because i remember i came out and i played jund yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. yeah so modern. those are just very some few of <laughs> yes <laughs> You don't play modern that much, so Not that was anymore. nice to see you out playing Not modern. Anymore. But nope. um, it's nice to see all these stores opening back up. I haven't gone to any of them they opened. I mean, grand by the time that we're recording this, it's only been days. Yeah. Um, but I I wish them all luck. I I miss all of them. They are not just businesses to us. They're part of our community. A yeah. lot of them are our friends. We play games with them we see them out and about we hang out with them whatever the case may be you know they're they're not just a customer business owner business employee type relationship they yeah. they get cards from other people are like i think scott might want that card i'll, right. I'll call him up hey i got this in are you still looking for it are you interested whatever right that, that's the relationship that we have with these places it is nice that they're able to kind of get some type of revenue going. Hope they're all safe. Yeah. Wait to see them all again. Yep. So that's really about it for uh episode three of the Astrolab. Uh again, I want to thank you guys for uh checking out the cast. 
Uh, Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Um, there's an internet? No, I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, you can find me at MTG Pack Foils on Twitter and Facebook, and my articles every Thursday over at legitmtg.com. So, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, at VolrathXP. Uh, you'll know you're in the right place if you see on My Little Pony picture, uh, because obvious reasons. Uh, but then also, uh, you can also find me on MTG Goldfish every Wednesday and every Friday uh, with um, This Week in Legacy and Vintage 101 columns. Uh, and then you can also uh, reach out to us uh, on the cast at uh, the Astrolab cast on Twitter. Uh, also, the Astrolab podcast at gmail.com is also the email for the cast. Uh, and please reach out. And uh, if you listen to the cast, you like what you hear, if you want to hear, let us know feedback. Uh, feedback's super important uh, yes. for us, so uh, we really would like to hear you guys' uh, feedback on uh, what's going on and just how we're doing. Uh, yeah. you know. Even if you, just, if you just say, I listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. opinion. I just listen to this. Yeah, just reaching out and connecting Yeah, and, and pressing that send button on your AOL email you're sending it through your dial-up connection no wait that's 2002 not 2020 feel free right. feel free to tell me if i suck i don't really care <laughs> yeah you know like if you want to criticize us that's cool be kind be respectful um yes. if you want to tell us that we're great i mean i, know, I will take I, that i i would too uh i'd find it quite humbling but know uh just communicate with us talk to us tell us how you're doing if you, know, if you want to uh, hear about legos um ask me i don't care we, <laughs> yeah during our pre-show joe talked about legos star wars um yeah i i, I love D D. um i'm missing baseball like literally you can talk to us about anything we're just two guys that play magic love magic love talking about magic like I remember uh, today, I remember when we were coming back from SCG Cincinnati, we talked about magic on the way back so much. Jeremy fell asleep. <laughs> I think, part, I think yeah. part of that was con crud. But yeah. You know, that, that's, that. that's just, it's who we are and we're, we're around each other. We, we just talk nonstop. Yeah. It's fun because it takes our mind off all the other crap going on in the world. Yeah. Which is Arkham, uh, Arkham's Astrolabe being legal and legacy still. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, find us on the internet. And uh, remember, uh, we just want to draw cards. We just want to make some good mana. Please don't ban us. Hey, the Schwartz be with you.